Welcome to the Ingenious Podcast, a snapshot of future B2B marketing trends and use it now tips. Learn to be wildly effective in professional services. Each episode features experts with new ideas for your branding and competitive success. Today I'm talking to Kate Harry Shippum, the founder and principal of KHS People. Based in Chicago, KHS is an executive level search firm for business developers and marketing professionals. Starting her career as an attorney, Kate gained a lot of knowledge about people and their leadership skills, or lack of leadership skills. Since then, she has led national recruitment efforts for law firms, accounting firms, and AEC firms. Leveraging a five-point framework, KHS connects firms to the right marketing and business development leaders. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited for today. I think it's going to be a great podcast, especially with the staffing crisis that we're having nowadays. It's been a pretty intense year or two, I will say. The market has been pretty wild. So I think that a lot of our listeners will get a lot of really valuable information. So let's get started. My first question for you is, we recently published a guest blog on our site that you wrote. It addressed the confusion about job titles and why it's important to be clear about the career steps for professionals inside firms. Can you tell us what happens for the firm and also for the professional when each step on the career ladder is clear? This is a great starting point. The title confusion, as I've come to phrase it, is something that I've noticed, particularly during COVID and whilst we seem to be mostly through it now, what I've noticed on titles is that titles used to be far more significant than what they are. They used to mean something and it used to be the case that if you said you were a manager, a director, everyone across the industry would generally know the level of experience, the years of experience, and the title definition was pretty clear. What I've seen happen over the last couple of years, and particularly over the last one to two years, is that years of experience, in my view, is the more defining question. And it's a question that will get you typically the answers that you're looking for. Titles still obviously are around. Everyone has them. And for some people, they are really important. For others, not so much. It is truly different for everybody. But titles now can be unclear in the sense that I can work with a manager who has five, six, seven years of experience on the bottom, say, and I can work with a manager who's got 25 years of experience or, or even close to 30. The, the manager level is probably the most difficult where I've seen this come up. Um, and sometimes you have really senior managers who say, Kate, I don't care what the firm calls me. I want to be paid X amount or I want to be able to lead a team, whatever it is that is important to them. Other folks, um, and they can be more junior in their career, but not as a general rule, they will get focused on title and it might be really important to them to seek out a senior manager or a director title. It's very subjective and I think it's important not to judge what each person is driven by, but to simply understand that. What that means insofar as the firm is concerned is that they can typically do just a little bit better of a job in terms of managing that professional's expectations in terms of what the titles are in their firm and how that aligns or maybe doesn't align with their career path. 
from the professional standpoint, the more senior a person gets, and usually this kicks in around the, the manager level or sort of that mid-manager level, um, that's when a person will start to look to leave if they're not getting um, the alignment on the title that it is really important to them and they're seeking. So um, I think it takes two to tango, and I think there's more that can be done for better things that people can be done from either side, but um, title means much less than what it used to be because there is no um, sort of uniform approach across the firms. Yeah, that's so crazy to me because I still remember the very first CPA firm I worked in. I, I mean, I cared about the money, but I was more concerned about the title because I knew that that would actually do more for me if I went to another firm than the money at that time. And it would give me more respect, I felt. Now you'll see someone as a marketing coordinator and you're right, they do have 15, 20 years of experience. And the only reason why they're not called director is because of they only call directors, like their CPAs, directors. Very interesting climate right now. And, and it's also the case that the way our professional service firms recruit business services people, it's to naturally fill the need that the firm has. These firms are not set up, nor should they be, in my view, to put the career path of a marketer or a business developer first. That's not why these firms are in business. However, I I strongly believe that in good time we will need something like a director of, you know, some of these subsets of business services professionals or a head of talent or something like that, but someone who is just focused on the marketers um, who can align the marketers' career path to the firm. And for firms, that's completely flipping it, and they will not think that that is counterintuitive. But if you're a firm who is focused on retention rather than just if we happen to lose a person, we'll, we'll simply recruit for another, um, that's a really it's a small nuance, but it's a really important shift to note. Yeah, it's really interesting because I was even just speaking with a client today regarding a title and they are hiring and they're trying to decide. They think they want to hire a content manager, but then we were discussing, well, maybe it's even a communications coordinator or communications. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, it's really around the responsibilities that they have. It's really Interesting. And I'm sure your skill set and your expertise really comes in handy when these firms hire you. <laughs> it, it certainly uh, keeps me out of mischief. It's a good little problem to, to try and help them solve. But it's a problem I see getting more muddy and more tricky before it gets clearer. Right. So can you then provide a couple of ways that firms can improve their job title structure? The first way, and to me the most obvious way, is that there is internal agreement um, as to what these titles will be on the business services side of the house. And that will probably look, if it's done correctly, quite different to how they might title, you know, their CPAs, their lawyers, you know, their directors and so on and so forth. Understanding that these people have a different title structure and are driven often by that different title structure is something that just simply aligns with how do we retain these good people. It doesn't have to be a conflict between but, you know, the, the CPAs or the attorneys, you know, are titled something different. We don't have that structure here in the firm. That point of the conversation, I think, is a few years old now. 
the greater point being how do we keep these people and how do we show them what titles we have in our firm? How do we manage their expectations in terms of you know, how many years we expect a person to do in that particular title before they're ready for promotion and for there to be a really open discussion about that up and down across the board so everyone's on the same page. A really classic example of this is what I call the pre-manager positions where your specialists, your coordinators, the firms in my view need to do a much better job at managing their expectations about what the tenures should be in these titles Without that expectation, you've got particular folks of a generational nature sitting in those titles who, rightly or wrongly, may think that promotion should come more quickly, but there's two sides to that. Firms can manage that and say, here's what it looks like in your firm. Here's where we think you would meet our expectations, which is doing the job correctly. And then here's the additional step to that, which is, to be promoted up and within and, and particularly to a manager, which is probably one of the more significant steps these people can make. These are the additional elements that we would need to see. And because firms are, you know, have a different business mindset that they don't think to have those conversations yet, but I, I think they'll need to start doing that to play into that retention piece. Yeah, I think you raised a really good point there. Um, and is that something that you can help them with? Because I've heard firms saying, and I know you don't work with more of the um, entry-level positions, but even the newer or younger, I should say, individuals, they have a higher level of expectation to move higher up the ladder faster, whether it's marketing or, you know, whatever position they're in. And I think managing that expectation like you said, could probably really help that. Is that a conversation that you assist with? It's part of all the pieces that I do for them when I'm on a search because often it's not just what is going on with this particular role in search. It's all the folks around them and often I'll need to understand what are the sort of the lower limits in terms of the titles across the spectrum if I'm looking at a more junior manager, say, what would be bumping up against the really high-performing specialists and therefore may, in fact, you know, offend an existing person in their team, a specialist, which is not what anyone wants. And then on the other side of it, what would be too senior, that their senior managers, you know, and or directors would think, well, hold on, that's, you know, a brand new person coming into this role. That's kind of what I do. So understanding all those dynamics of become more important um, over the last year or two and firms who are willing to really be open about that and say, for example, hey, we have this rock star specialist, we, we've got to make sure that we don't offend them with this manager hire, they're not quite ready yet, but, you know, they'll be ready in a year or two. Um, and then on the other side of it, we don't want more senior folks threatened by a, you know, an amazing manager coming in. So there's a lot of pieces at play and there's a lot of conversations that have to happen internally. If it's all orchestrated well and it's well thought out, it works really well. Right. So then can you provide a couple of ways that firms can improve or how do you work about that formal salary structure as well? Is that something that you recommend? Because I know my husband works for U.S. Bank and he knows that no matter here, if he's at this level, he's going to make this much. If he's at that level, he's going to make that much. How does that work in professional services? And do you see it very often, something that you recommend or not? It, it's a similar system. Um, 
you know, accounting marketing, legal marketing, they're pretty good at sort of sticking to the general salary ranges. Saying salary band is probably um, a little too industry specific for these firms, but certainly they have defined salary ranges. There's sort of a side note that related to your question is that salaries have just gone up exponentially over the last year or two because there is just there's such demand for this type of person. I don't think firms have ever needed these people more than they have over the last year or two. And they've done really well. So candidates have had a fair bit of power in terms of what they would like by way of salary. Firms for the most part have had to respond to that and have had to relinquish some of that control that they would otherwise enjoy in another time. Over the last couple of months, I've seen the balance come back a little bit and things are steadying out and candidates um, don't necessarily call all of the shots. But there's, it's certainly been a market for quite a long time now, not just because of COVID, where candidates can be quite open with respect to what they want, how they want it, what their working arrangement will be what their benefits should be. It's not overly comfortable for firms to have to respond or react to that. They're more used to it being the other way around. So um, I know there's a really good salary survey for the accounting marketing industry, which I refer to. I've also run my own for the legal marketing industry, and I can see patterns in terms of coordinator, specialist, manager, senior director, and, and so on. They're constantly shifting you know, on the increase, you know, year on year. I've just got my head in analysing the legal marketing one at the moment this year and I'm really excited to compare it to last year's. But there's definitely common trends firms can pull out of it. But some of the nuance behind that is, you know, how do we sell our opportunity to the right person? What does that look like for us? And making it a two-way street is very relevant for this moment in time. Yeah. So do you think that eventually the salaries will level off or will they get to the point that they'll just be, you know what, we're just going to outsource for now because we don't want to deal with training and all of this until things do level off a bit? Or how does that, are you seeing any trends in the market right now? The the salaries have definitely leveled off over the last month or two. The, the city where I saw it the, the most volatile point was New York City and just how crazy some of those salaries got. There's a couple of other markets similar like San Francisco, Dallas a little bit, but some of those, you know, sort of old traditional massive markets or even some of the newer entrants, they have definitely settled down. They kind of had to. <laughs> there was only so long that was going to go for. I think we'll probably see another uptick either early to mid next year with respect to some of these salaries, but everyone is just sort of pausing if they can for a little bit with respect to what is going to go on in the economy. You know, accounting firms and law firms are very conservative, so they really pick up on that at these moments in time. But again, I think sort of the transparency of what these salaries could be, a lot of firms might want to consider making this a little bit more open of a conversation. And there's probably also now about maybe 10, maybe 15 states and cities who it's you know, the law to provide the salary range to the candidate, particularly when the candidate is asking for it. So been that way in California for some time, but the recent laws, uh, I think trying to really target, you know, fairness around some of these firms and hiring decisions. And, you know, there's sort of a, 
common statistic that I hear frequently and I've researched a bit where, you know, females have traditionally been, you know, sort of underpaid by about 20% to their male counterparts. So it, it's an issue that I watch closely because salary isn't in time with everything that I do and I'm managing my client and I'm managing my candidate and, and you know, you've got to watch it closely so it all works out the way it should. Wow, that's really interesting. That I did, had no idea that there's some cities or states that you must dis- disclose the salary range. Yeah, it's. Um, I did a blog post on it recently. It's not that wide known yet. It was talked about recently because New York City, I believe, as of the last time I read this a couple of weeks ago now, I think by November they're hoping to have this law in and that will be a big shift for that city for sure. Similar to sort of the old salary history laws where you can't ask someone what their current salary is, you've just got to talk about what their expectation is. Those laws took off about, gosh, four or five years ago now. So this is sort of the next wave of these ones to come through, which is all pointing in a good direction for folks in the industry, you know, shakes things up considerably for hiring folks, both the, the marketers and the HR professionals. Right, exactly. Well, with so many firms struggling to attract and keep talent, can you share a success story of what's working for firms now? Firms who are doing who are doing really well at this are very much taking the mindset of let's keep our people, let's retain, let's work really hard to reward them. Some firms are doing ad hoc bonuses throughout the year to really let their people know that they see the work that they're doing and they want to value them and let them know that they see all of those pieces. Firms who um, encourage things like mental health days, take your vacation, open conversations and frequent open conversations with the team with respect to how is everyone doing. Burnout is the biggest issue at the moment because, you know, professional services marketing is incredibly fatigued and I'm seeing burnout and, and particularly senior folks who have often been doing the role of not only the own role but more junior roles because it's really hard to find, you know, junior level talent and retain it. That's probably a whole separate podcast. <laughs> um, but those folks are really tired and I'm seeing people in a healthy job market in those more senior roles simply just resign with no job to go to, knowing that they need a break and that they can probably come back in in a month or two and it'd still be a pretty healthy job market so they're not too worried about that and obviously everyone's financial personal situation is different and that plays into it of course but I haven't seen that before that's been very new over the last year so firms are really respecting and trying to give their professionals opportunities to take time off to work different hours, to work as make sure that works for them. They're the firms that professionals feel very loyal to and don't necessarily want to leave because they're clear about what the priorities are and, you know, there is no record balance anymore. It's just all completely integrated and fluid and as long as firms are, you know, showing the respect, um, understanding the boundaries, you know, there are any left, but certainly trying to understand where they're coming from. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I just read an article about burnout. Um, and yeah, it's I didn't know that marketing had such a high rate as well. Well, it's it's interesting because you know, the people I work with and speak to over the last year or two, they're working just as hard as the partners and 
sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have busy weeks and months. But, you know, there's a big difference in salary between partners and marketers. And sometimes it's just the case that you simply need more people in the marketing team, but that's then another issue again to get those people. But marketers have been working incredibly hard. One survey I did uh, back in 2020, this was just for legal marketers, but I'm sure it's probably applicable for accounting marketers too, is of the people who took the survey, the majority of them, I think it was 58 or 57% of them, were working somewhere between an extra one and three hours a day. So that's at least an extra five hours a week up to, um, you know, 15 hours a week. So that's quite an incredible shift. So firms are trying to really see that and recognise that they're happy to pay these bigger salaries if they feel as though that value is there. Right. Well, and I know it happens even in the AEC space because I had happy hour with a director of marketing the other day and she had a staff, a younger staff on vacation and she was covering for that individual and she had to go back to work. Well, not, you know, go back to work, but continue to work after our happy hour. Oh, gosh. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that doesn't even sound fun. <laughs> no, yeah, people are working all sorts of hours and weekends and, you know, we, like I say, there's times when you just need to, to grind it out, but when it's the norm, um, there's going to be huge burnout and that's the biggest issue I see facing this industry at the moment. Yeah. Do you think that some of that flexibility, though, is also part of that? Because people now, they just work whenever and there's not that set nine to five, not that we ever did work that. But sometimes I know like I had this conversation with my graphic designer in our office and whether or not he wants me to say this. <laughs> but, you know, he he admits that he works more at home than when he works in the office because we're hybrid. And I'm like, Robert, maybe you should consider coming to the office more. <laughs> but he didn't want to do that. Because <laughs> I'm like think, trying to think outside the box. And that was my one idea, you know, like, <laughs> you know, because then he has that downtime drive home 20 minutes and then he doesn't go back to work. You know, his computer shut off. If we're, I mean, that's what we laugh about it. It's you're absolutely on. It's, you know, if we. When we were in the office full time, you know, we had a commute, sometimes a really long commute, so that, that's not obviously so good, but we had these little breaks throughout the day, whether it's just grabbing a coffee with a colleague or stepping out to get some lunch or a commute, whatever it might be. I know now, you know, working from home, I, I don't take any breaks unless I'm sort of, you know, my head's really spinning or I think, gosh, it's two o'clock and I haven't had lunch yet. And it's a terrible pattern, but it's what we've all gotten used to because of it. So I, I think the hybrid structure is a little bit of a double sword in that sense. I think the accounting industry generally is more used to the hybrid structure and, you know, the, the big four accounting firms have done this sort of work for years and often it's you know, for the, the CPAs, they're on site. So then, you know, they're on a client site. So they're not even in, in the office, so to speak. But law firms, this is very new for them. And they are definitely grappling at the moment with all these issues that, you know, you and I are talking about with respect to this. Because you're right, when your work is at home and your home is at work, there's no one to sort of intervene with that. And 
um, you know, my husband and I joke that when one of us is travelling for work, the other one also is not working because, you know, it, it, there's not that much else to do and you've got stuff to do. And so it's, it's a little unhealthy and yeah. it needs to be done, but I don't quite know the way out of it yet other than perhaps leaders in firms, um, you know, making some clear directions about that or, you know, really meeting people where they're at with respect to what they need. Right, exactly. Or maybe, yeah, it, hopefully people will just figure it out on their own. Those that are, you know, once once they realize that happy medium or what will work for their life the best. Yeah, I, I certainly see, you know, partners of professional service of firms at the moment trying to keep the most amount of people happy. And in doing so, inevitably, you know, there's a smaller percentage of folks who are not happy. And um, it's, I, I don't think them. They are in a very tough position to try and get this right. And I think we've sort of shifted into a different stage of this hybrid working structure. We're out of the cannot work. We're now into the what works, but it's not necessarily healthy. And, you know, six to 12 months down the road, I think we'll probably be in a different position, but we're kind of in the thick of it at the moment. Yeah. Well, Kate, I have to say I have really enjoyed our time today and um, I think it's been very educational. Even I learned a few things. <laughs> so I really thank you a ton for being on today's podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dawn. It was lovely to chat with you as always and um, I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Ingenious Podcast. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen. Visit the show notes for this episode and all episodes at ingenuitymarketing.com forward slash podcast. 